0: John 3, 3 to 21. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do, not, do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. And we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into the heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. because their deeds are, were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. May God's word shape us and form us. Amen. So uh, John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, there are two conversations. And they're great, amazing conversations. If you get a chance to read uh, this conversation with Nicodemus and then later in John chapter four, one of my favorite passages, a conversation with the woman at the well, um, Jesus was a great conversationalist. He was an amazing person when it came to speaking one-on-one with individuals. And um, in both of these conversations, Jesus gets down to the core of the person, the core, what makes that person tick, right? What is the central issue, the prime question, the bottom line obstacle for the person? For the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, she is thirsty, she's spiritually thirsty. And the irony is Jesus is asking her for water in the heat of the day, but she herself is stuck in her life and paralyzed by circumstances and labels. And Jesus says, well, I have water for you. And if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. Out of this conversation, out of this interaction, it empowers her, right? She's empowered It frees her. And where once she was in isolation, she was in the heat of the day alone because she was living in shame. But this interaction with Jesus, something touches the core of who she is. And she's empowered by Jesus' words. And sets her free. And she becomes one of the greatest witnesses in all of scripture. It says that she runs to the town and tells everyone, Come and see someone who told me everything about myself. And the disciples and Jesus, Jesus tells the disciples, Look up, the whole town is coming. And that day, many people gave their life to Jesus. And this was from one conversation with Jesus. This chapter right before the woman at the well interaction with Nicodemus is another great conversation. Nicodemus is on the opposite spectrum of the woman. He is a Pharisee, right? He's of the cluster of religious people of the day in Jerusalem. And actually, this group was Jesus's nemesis, right? These people were always testing Jesus, always after Jesus, always trying to get Um, To trap Jesus and to saying something wrong, saying something that they could later say, oh, you're not following the rules. Oh, we can get you. But Nicodemus is drawn to Jesus. And we see John is setting up kind of this, this tension between the Pharisees, the religious rulers and the elders and Jesus. And all the while, the crowds are following Jesus. The crowds are loving him. Jesus is going from town to town preaching good news and healing people and touching people. And people are loving him. They're drawn to him. And Nicodemus is drawn to him as well. But Nicodemus uh, comes to him at night. What happens at night? Shady things happen at night, right? right? He doesn't want to completely be out there. He wants to come in secret in the shadows because he doesn't want his other fellow pharisees to be like what are you doing and yet he wants he's so curious about jesus so he comes in the night in the secret of the night and he has this begins this conversation and he has this he has these questions what he asks jesus is rabbi we know that you are a teacher who has come from god for no one could perform the signs you're doing if god were not with him like, how are you doing these signs I know you must be God, because if God wasn't in you, you couldn't be doing these things. I want to know, how are you doing this? And Jesus' response is, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Born again? And there's this whole interaction, like, the, the Pharisee is in kind of physical mode physical tangible literal mode how can i be born again i'm an adult i can't come out of my mother's womb again can i and jesus is like you idiot (laughs) right what are you thinking of you are a leader of israel you are a great teacher of israel and you don't understand these things you don't understand about the spiritual world you don't understand about the holy spirit you don't understand about things that are happening underneath. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and the spirit of God is like a wind, like the wind. Right? You can't see the wind. It's not visible, but you can see the effects of the wind. Right? When the wind blows, the trees go back and forth. And, you know, papers litter on the ground like fly everywhere across the parking lot. And for my house, we have a big maple tree, and every fall, right, it, it just drops its leaves, and I have to rake, like, multiple times every week, multiple times every week, and just piles and piles and piles. In fact, I still have a pile in my yard. They don't deteriorate very fast either, but you see the wind blowing the leaves. You see the effect of the, of the wind, but you... You can't see the wind itself. And Jesus is making a point. And the point that he's making is that there's a whole nother reality. There's a whole nother spiritual realm. There's the kingdom of God. And God is working through the spirit in the world. And you are just stuck in the literal. You're stuck in your laws, in your you're stuck in the scripture, but your interpretation of it is just legalism and what to follow, this and that. But God is alive. God is moving. God is dynamic. And he's, he wants to empower. He wants to bring new life. He wants to renew the world. And so he's like, in order for you to see the kingdom of God... You need to be born again. When I say born again, there may, that might be a loaded phrase, right? I'm a born again Christian. But I think what, what Jesus is saying is, and the other translation says, born from above, right? You, you understand that there is another reality. There's a new paradigm. There's a new type of seeing, and that's in God, and that's in his spirit. Are you with me, church? Yeah. And he goes on to tell Nicodemus basically the gospel story, basically God's saving mission, God's saving work. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this is John 3.16. You see Peat football players write it under their eyes. You see it on signs. John three sixteen. John three sixteen. You probably have it memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right. That's the gospel in a nutshell. A lot of people say that's the most concise right description of the gospel. What God's saving work is. He loved the world so he sent a Son that we can be saved from our sin and have eter- life eternal. But I actually like verse 17 a lot, a lot, a lot. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not condemn. God does not condemn you or me. God did not want to condemn the world. So he sent son out of his love and care for the world. He, didn't want, he doesn't want to just destroy people right? He wants to save people. God is in the business of saving people. And that's why he sent Jesus, because he loved the world. And we are not condemned. In fact, when we don't believe in Jesus, when we don't follow the light, we're condemning ourselves, actually. And that's, that's what Jesus is saying. You're already condemning yourself. Right? What God is doing is saving you from your condemnation. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. A light has come into the world. God sent Jesus to save us and not to condemn us. God's desire is to bless and not to curse. And we are called to be a blessing to others. The light has come to shine for the hope of the world. So in this Goes back, this word bless, goes all the way back, if you remember in the Old Testament, Abraham, the call of Abraham, right? Go and I will bless you. I will bless you. Follow me. Answer my call. Trust in what I say and just go. Go out into the world, to the land that I'm showing you, and I will bless you. But it doesn't stop there, right? He also says, I'm blessing you so that you will be a blessing to other people, to other nations. We are blessed to be a blessing. Right? And that's the church. It goes back even further. If you go to creation, right? be fruitful and multiply. Right? That's, that's God's command to Adam and Eve in, at creation. Right? I've created you to be stewards of the animals and creation and then to go be fruitful and multiply. Go and bless the world. Go and be fruitful. Go and multiply. And so as, as church, as the church, our, what we take from this is we too are called as we are blessed to go and be fruitful and to multiply and bless others. Not, we're not here just for the sake of ourselves. Right? And if you walked in, you may have noticed that our floors are different, right? We got the carpet taken out, and we had the wood floors refinished, and it's beautiful wood. I, I don't know why people covered it up. Beautiful wood floors, and we got new carpet out there, and uh, I feel blessed walking in. It's like, this is cleaner. It's closer to what I want it to look like. Not quite, but like better, right? We're blessed. But if all we were was about like feeding ourselves and being blessed and being blessed and the hashtag bless Facebook I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Woo! Right? Bless, 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 bless. Um, we wouldn't be the church. Because the command stays the same. We God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others, to people outside of our community, outside of ourselves. And and that's the call. Three points that I want to pull out of this passage is, one, everyone is seeking Jesus. Everyone is seeking Jesus. Whether Whether they even know it or not, people are seeking God. And this is what Nicodemus is coming. He doesn't know why. It's against kind of his custom. It's against his habits. It's against his... Fear, sphere of uh, friends and community but he comes to Jesus at night because he's seeking after something he sees and recognizes something that's different but it's something that he's thirsting and hungering for and so he comes seeking and people all around us are like that our neighbors our coworkers our family members people we go to school with people you run into on the street They are seeking and desiring and wanting and hungering after Jesus. Everyone is seeking Jesus. And that's point number one. We need to know that people are seeking and they're hungry and they're thirsty. And that's John 3 and 4, right? Both Nicodemus and the Samaritan women are hungry, thirsting, and they're looking for something more. And Jesus comes in and fills that and says, I am the true water. I am the light. I am what you are looking for. Second point is the spirit of God is at work in the world. Just like the wind is all around us, the spirit of God is all around us at work in the world. The kingdom is moving all the time and all around us. God is at work. The spirit is at work. When we follow Jesus, we have a new life. That's what it means to be born from above and born again. When we say yes to Jesus, we are transformed and made new, right? We're a new creation, as Paul says. When we follow Jesus, we have a new life and we enter a new type of seeing, a new type of awareness, a new citizenship. There's all kinds of, kind of uh, imagery to describe this newness. Citizenship, new seeing, new life, new creation, and we're able to see the kingdom of God um, at work, and we see the Spirit's work in the world, and we're born of the Spirit, meaning we're moved as where the Spirit's moved, right? Where we see love at work and Jesus' hands at work, our hearts are moved. Where we see pain and injustice and a lack of love and darkness, our hearts are pained. And we want to move and fill, come into those spaces and give light and love to other people, right? The Spirit is at work all the time. So if you just take those two points, everyone is seeking Jesus and the Spirit of God is at work at all times. That's an encouragement, right? Right? That's an encouragement to us that we are walking into a situation, not alone and not dead, but we're walking into situations full of hope and guided by the spirit and accompanied by the spirit and accompanied by Jesus. You are not alone and you are not weak, right? Because the power of God is there and the power of the spirit is there and because people are already seeking and and the spirit is working in that seeking like massaging people's hearts, right? Simmering. Right? Out there, people are like thinking about things and Jesus is planting seeds in their hearts. And we just step into that. And that's an encouragement. That's something to be hopeful about. And the third point is that God did not send Jesus. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save it. God wants to save people. God's desire is to bless and not curse. So one, uh, people all around us are seeking Jesus. Two, the spirit of God is at work in the world. And three, God wants to save people. God wants to save people. And so that brings us to the be of bless, which is begin with prayer. Right? Begin with prayer. We must always begin with prayer because prayer allows us to have eyes to see the kingdom moving all around us. Two, uh, prayer is the way that we ask the Spirit to help us overcome our fear. Right? I'm afraid Evangel- we're talking about evangelism in church. right We're talking about witnessing to our neighbors ooh. That's that's not much for me. That's for like that extroverted person out there or that's for Bob over there. I I've never been good at that stuff. Can I just set up chairs or I'll cook in the kitchen? Right. That 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 witness thing is not for me. The spirit helps us overcome that fear. And in prayer we become empowered. And then finally <coughs> uh the third reason we must always begin with prayer is that it unifies us, right? As we pray individually, we're drawn into God's, the bigger picture, right? God draws us, his spirit draws us into the into the community, what he's doing through the church or through the body, right? And it draws us in corporate prayer. It gives us new vision and new eyes and many hands to go and be the love out there and especially these days i think people we used to say that it's believing before belonging right people would make the intellectual like oh i believe in jesus right i believe in that idea so now let me go to church or now let me jump into this community once i believe now it's really different. People are draw, wanting and desiring community. They're, it's belonging before believing. They're drawn into the community of faith and the body of Christ. And then, because they're experiencing this love and this community and this in a new way and hospitality in a new way, they're like, "I want to believe," right? Belonging before believing, or it's some like combination of that. So as we pray corporately and we're unified, in our unity and our community is our witness. Back, at, back in, uh, when I was in doing campus ministry, my uh, area director, he was my supervisor and my spiritual director, uh, a white guy. And then my roommate, one of uh, the uh, groomsmen in my wedding and staff partner at UW was African-American, big guy, he played, Div one football and then it was me and we would meet together once a month and we'd we used to joke walking through the mall because it's like everyone would be looking at us like what what's the context of this group like why are they hanging out right this Korean guy this short Korean guy this big muscular black guy and this white guy like why are they hanging out and uh People would even ask us, and we'd say, oh, we're, we're in ministry together. Right? And to be like, what, what, what? And when the church is unified in its diversity, right, that's a witness. Because that doesn't happen without the power of Jesus, right? And that's our witness. And so we must always begin with prayer. To see the kingdom moving all around us. To ask the spirit to overcome our fear. And to unify us in our unity. And and in that unity is our witness. Amen. Um, So if you have these. Your blessed inserts. We could take some time to look at this. Uh, So there are bookmarks inside this. And... uh, one, one side is your copy, and the other side is to drop in the offering box, or we'll, we'll collect them, um, is the church copy. Choose three to five people to pray for. Commit to begin each day by asking God to use you to bless someone in your world. Be bold and look for divine opportunities to be a blessing. So think of three to five people, and just write those people down. Keep one for yourself. Um, And then drop the other one in our offering box. Um, And on the back side of this is if you're not sure how to pray for these people, um, it gives you examples. Pray for David to become thirsty for God. Pray for Rob to take genuine steps of repentance. Pray for Mark to clearly experience God's love. Those types of things. And then there's a website there with more uh, resources for you but we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and every week we'll have an insert uh and we'll do this (laughs) but uh fill that out and we'll take some time to do that uh right now or as we move into communion take some time to fill these out